Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What the hell is counter-dependency? That was literally my response when I was asked to cover this topic for the podcast. In my over 35 years now in the field, I'd never heard the term. But once I started my deep, crazy Jewish girl, can't let anything go, dog with a bone dive into learning everything about it, looking at everything I could find, reading every book I could get on the topic, I realized that I really had to do this episode to explain what counterdependency is and, and how it relates to codependency and narcissism. And so that's what we're going to come at you with today. So get yourself a cup of coffee, buckle up, buttercup, because today you're going to get a really clear picture of how all this fits together and my top three tips for making it all go away. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. You're here. I'm so happy you're here. Hello, hello. Are you walking? Are you hiking? Are you riding your bike? Are you, are you driving? Are you sitting at your kitchen table eating something? I think everyone when they listen should eat some chocolate in honor of me. That's what I'm thinking. If you don't really like chocolate, I don't know why you're listening. Uh, no, I was kidding. Uh, I think there's medication for that. But if you don't really like chocolate, 
you know, any of your favorite foods, because we all know I love food and I just feel like we should break bread together because that's such a wonderful thing to do with people. So now granted, I can't eat while I'm doing Maybe I should try that. I'll do an episode where I'm where I'm uh, doing that. Uh, anyway, so a couple things before I dive in. One, uh, a client made the suggestion, and it's brilliant. She said that she listens to the podcast at one point five speed, and uh, so that you know, because I blabber on and on, and you don't always have you know forty five minutes or thirty minutes to listen to me. So uh, this makes it go faster. And it's still obviously very understandable and all that, but you can get through it quicker. And she said she loves it. Like she can really, you know, get through, you know, listen to all the podcasts and hear all the information. So I thought that was brilliant. I'm going to try to remember to recommend that on all the podcasts. Okay. And then uh, I found out that there's a couple of you have not bought my Amazon number one best-selling book. Come on. How, what have you been missing out? You can get it on Audible. You can get it on Amazon as a, you know, actual book sent to you. You can do it electronically. Come on. It's called uh, Be Happily Married, even if your partner won't do a thing. And even if you're not married, even if you're not straight, even if you're not uh, from the United States, this book will help you. I have a bunch of therapists from, gosh, I'm going to, okay, so four countries now who have been using my book uh, as sort of a guide in their work with couples. And so if you, you know, you can do this on your own. You can use the book that way. There's tons of action tips in it. It's really clearly laid out. I'm very proud of this book. And it's short. I made it purposefully as short as possible because, uh, so, you know, it has all the right information, everything in there that you need, but I don't have a lot of fluff. I just don't. There's real life examples. You know, there's all the goods, all the goods, but I really took away the fluff because I don't like reading fluff. It pisses me off when I get a book and I realize it should have been a pamphlet. Um, so <laughs> I highly recommend it. I really am. I'm really proud of it. And it's a great way to support me uh, and the work I do. Uh, and there you go. So, you know, get thee to the bookstore. Okay. Or Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy books. So let's get in there. Let me first say there's a lot written on counter dependency. And as you heard me say in the intro, I'd never heard of it. I never, I'm like, then I'm reading books from like 2008, thinking to myself, where have I been? But (laughs) I'll tell you what, I think it's mostly bullshit. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, you heard me. I think it's mostly BS. Because when you pull up the layers of counterdependency, I think people have gotten way too carried away with all the labeling and have just created an environment, I think, for more confusion. So, but I'm going to clear that up. I said that to you and I am uh, because every, I mean, wow. Anyway, I, I got confused sometimes and I thought, I've got all these years in the field and I have all this experience. No wonder people don't know if they're up or down or no wonder they talk smack about the psychology field when we throw around these terms that are, you know, really made up and don't have a lot behind them. I don't believe. I say with love to people who've written about it. Um, <laughs> but but I also say with love, there was a lot of things I thought could be helpful, like really helpful to sort of uh, parcel out. So I'm going to do that today and uh, really help you in your relationship. And I got some tips for you at the end, as I always, always do, because I love you. So here we go. And so let's start with codependency. So I'm going to talk about codependency, counterdependency, and narcissism and how they all fit together so uh, we can pull them all apart. Now, and uh, so codependency, you likely know this, what it is, right? If you don't, 
If you don't know what it is, go listen to my podcast. I did a whole podcast on it and the questions that you need to ask yourself to know if you're codependent or not. Uh, and so, and I actually done a couple on codependency. So I'll link to those in the show notes. Um, and some people have written in asking about these show notes. They don't know what the show notes are. The show notes are basically on my website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. It's really just referring to the page uh, on the podcast page, when you click, you know, if you find this podcast on that page, we call them the show notes because this is a show. So it's the kind of the notes about the show uh, and like sort of the, you know, the big takeaways and all the links and all that good stuff. You can also read the corresponding blog post that I always do, which is on abbymedcalf.com forward slash blog, <laughs> or you just go to the homepage and you'll see all the little tabs. So uh, but that's where that is. So if you're confused, that's where you go get them. And there's always a search function on the website, on the podcast page and the blog page. If there's any topic in general that you're not sure if I've covered, I probably have. Just throw it in the search bar and it'll all come up. There you go. So, so I'll put that on that page. But uh, for now, I just want to say a few things so you know for sure if you're in this category of codependency. Uh, codependence basically they get their emotional lives fulfilled from other people, through other people. So, um, you know, if someone in their life is upset, they're upset. Disappointing other people, that is their kryptonite and will keep them up all night wondering what they did wrong, how to fix it, all that good stuff. Codependents become overly focused on other people's needs, really instead of their own, and generally don't even know what their own needs really even are. Um, and I think the last thing I'll say is that if you ask others for help easily, you're not codependent. <laughs> if you're someone who's so together, so confident that you can ask other people for help, God bless you. I want to be you. Um, you're not codependent. All right. Counterdependence. That's, you know, now we're at the meat, right? What are we talking about here? Now we've got this term and it's actually, again, like I said earlier, been around for about 15 years. So how I've missed it, we don't, we don't know yet. But counterdependency is pretty much the opposite of codependency on the outside. But it really comes from the same place of this lack of self-worth. So the in, on the inside, it's the same really at its base. But on the outside, it looks very opposite. So where a codependent is overly focused on other people, the counterdependent is focused on themselves and their own needs. Uh, and I know this sounds like narcissism, doesn't it? Which is why I'm going to talk about the differences in a little bit. Half the stuff I read, I thought, are these, do these people have degrees? I mean, do they, have they studied? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm throwing shade. That's right. Yes, I am. Because it pisses me off when people start talking about stuff and have a Google degree and just start throwing stuff around because they think they know. It's not cool. It's not cool, people. So <laughs> it really matters. This is one of those places where my long experience in the field in different genres and different people and different countries and different everything and my schooling all come together in a nice way and my and my consistent research now and I'm not saying I, I know everything although I like to think I do but you know really when you're getting information please please I'm begging you it's why I have this podcast I, I really would like you to have research-based clear you know, concise information. Although I'm not being concise today because I'm rambling. I'm sorry, I'm going to speed it up. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so as I said, like where this codependent is outwardly focused, you know, the, the counterdependent is very inwardly focused. Uh, the, you know, the counterdependent is someone 
I'm trying to think of it. So they just, they avoid closeness and intimacy at all costs. That's who they are. So they could be in a relationship, but they keep their own counsel. They And they really aren't looking to deeply bond with anyone else. And if you, if you want like a big term, so codependents really don't trust themselves. That's so they need the love of others to reflect back that they're okay. <clears throat> but while a counterdependent doesn't trust anyone but themselves, they have a deep mistrust of others. So that makes them become very self-reliant. Now, from the outside, some counterdependents might seem like they have good relationships, but if you look closely, there's actually a lot of distance and fear. They'll often fear commitment or monogamy. And when they do get into relationships, they'll uh, probably get angry if you push them to be too vulnerable too soon or maybe even vulnerable at all. So, and I would say some other notable traits include, you know, rigid boundaries, this very black and white thinking, self-centeredness, and this difficulty relaxing. Uh, so this, you know, a counterdependent might be kind of addicted to things like work or exercise or just, you know, doing. Um, you know, I guess if you're always on the run, it's hard for people to catch you, right? <laughs> so, you know, they're always doing. And again, I know this sounds a lot like narcissism, so... Uh, let's jump into the big difference between narcissism and counterdependency. Okay. So, first of all, counterdependence, well, and codependence for that matter, they're not diagnosable conditions. I really want to be clear on this, meaning they're not present in the big book that we mental health practitioners use to diagnose people. I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. We affectionately call it the DSM, obviously, with that friggin' long name. It's in its fifth edition. And so I, I want to really separate that because it's important. And there is something called Dependent Personality Disorder, which is different. I'm not going to talk about that today, but there's no codependence in the DSM so or counterdependence. So... But narcissism is. Narcissism, it, to me, is really on a different level than counterdependency. So I know they look similar in a lot of ways, but, uh, you know, maybe you could think of counterdependency as narcissism light. <laughs> but I actually think it's deeper than that, and I'll, I'll go there. But according to the DSM, according to this big book we use, the most important characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder are grandiosity, seeking excessive admiration and a complete lack of empathy. That's always present. And really with counterdependency, that's not true. That's not always present. So that I would say is the very big difference. Uh, you know, they're just they're just not central themes with counterdependence. There's a different motivation behind the behavior. And and I want to this is the most important thing, I think, in my opinion, it's much more counterdependence is way more treatable than narcissism. So uh yeah. Uh, so I know you're saying, that, but why, Abby? Why are we like this? Why are we counterdependent and narcissistic and codependent? Well, so I want to say that before I, I make another step, I, I really need to say a word about that. But why people, when I say people, I mean you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Are, are any of these really? Codependency, uh, counterdependency, narcissism, for the most part, okay, aside from maybe a, a huge trauma later in life, all of them are, res are, res are a result really from how our early childhood was experienced. And I say experienced because who you were as a little tiny person 
coming into this world is different from who someone else is as a little tiny person coming into this world. We are born with different temperaments uh, and into families at different times in their evolution. We've got different uh, genders, if you believe in gender. We, uh, and all kinds of other factors that make each per, I don't mean if you believe in gender, you know what I mean? If you ascribe to that, sorry. That sounded so weird when I said it. Uh, and all kinds of other factors that make each person's uh, childhood slightly different, even when even when you're raised in the same family. So how your mom acted as a parent might not have affected your older brother, but might have had a negative impact on you. Do you get it? Because so, just who you are, where you are in the family, your you know your role, all that good stuff. So all, all that's to say it's how it's experienced and it kind of, you know, really results in these things. Now, remember, all these terms really boil down to being psychological defense mechanisms. That's what they are, diagnosable or not. That's what they are. And they're all meant to protect us from pain because we don't trust. We either don't trust ourselves, so we look outside of ourselves for validation and, and love and comfort, or we don't trust others to, you know, to be there for us, to give us that comfort, to give us that love. So we keep others at arm's length and we rely on ourselves. That's pretty much how that all is. And trust and learning, well, trust and learning to trust really begins the moment you're born. And this is, you know, it's all psychology 101, but I'm going to just say really quickly, so everything's in context, you were completely dependent on your caregivers right from the get-go. You, you popped out and guess what? Very dependent. So how those caregivers reacted to your needs, food, uh, love, shelter, comfort, that shaped how you developed trust. And if your needs were met consistently and lovingly, then you learn to feel safe and trust your world. And this is, uh, this is Erickson's developmental phase. This is, this has been everybody's thing. I mean, this is, uh, again, psychology one-on-one. This is sort of the basis of our field in a lot of ways. So, so if you think about it, what was your first relationship? Your first relationship was with whoever took care of you when you were an infant. That you're, you know, hope, hopefully it was your parents or someone there. But that first relationship, it hopefully taught you that you could say you needed something, and even if that's screaming, and get that need met. And so research has shown that how how that first relationship goes, how that first bonding goes, directly relates to how you form relationships later in your life. And it's not just your parents, by the way. It's I'm talking about any adult caregivers or, or siblings, any extended extended family who lived in your home and took care of you, all that. They all played a role. So all of this trust bonding with caregivers culminates in something called your attachment style. And I did a whole podcast on that, which I'll link to in the show notes. But but quickly, your attachment style really is just, uh, just reflects the emotional bond you developed with these caregivers and how it reflects uh, the trust and security you felt in that relationship with your caregivers. So when caregivers don't meet our needs as, you know, infants and small children, we developed what's called an insecure attachment style uh, as opposed to a secure one, uh, meaning we don't feel trusting or secure. And there are really two main types. People argue there's three, there's four. I I'm just going to, I like to keep it simple here. So we're just going to say there's two main types. And those two main styles are anxious and avoidant attachment styles. And uh, they're what underlie codependence, counterdependence, and 
and two types of narcissism. There, there are four types of narcissism. I, again, did a whole podcast about that. I know, shocking, right? I've really done a lot of podcasts. <laughs> and again, you can. I don't want to repeat every podcast what I said in another. So please, please go listen to Attachment Styles and Narcissism and all that good stuff if it interests you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let's talk about anxious attachment. Are you anxiously attached? And anxiously attached people would generally be considered, those are your high maintenance folks. They need a lot of attention. Uh, The adjectives that usually come to mind are things like clingy or needy or you just, there's a lot. They're a lot. Uh, as adults, they look for really a high level of emotional closeness or approval, a high level of communication from their partners, their friends, their children, their family, their coworkers. And so they can be real talkers. They can talk your ear off. And um, no, I'm not anxiously attached. <laughs> That's just y'all thinking right now. I know. I see you. I'm not securely attached either, but uh, anxious isn't my one. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) and uh, they can become overly dependent on others. And as you've uh, likely already guessed, it's going to make sense to you, codependents generally have a more anxious attachment style, right? Kind of feels like it matches. But there's also a kind of narcissist who fits in right here, and that's the vulnerable narcissist. And the vulnerable narcissist can often seem really insecure and will look for reassurance in their relationships. They're, they're not codependent because they, they're really focused on themselves and their own needs first, and, and they'll demand it from you. But they can seem codependent because they can get very attached and become completely consumed with their partners. But they can also do that with their their jobs or, you know, their sports teams. They, they can do it in a bunch of ways. Uh, but yeah, th- those will be those people. And they're always looking for, uh, because they're looking for constant validation. That That's what they're looking for. And then, or or you might, so then there's avoidant attachment. And avoidant adults, they're all about putting distance between themselves and others. And this was, you know, I've shared before the category that I am in and the category that uh, I've done years and years, decades now of therapy <laughs> to be better at. And I am much better than I used to be. Uh, I'm sure some of my friends are listening right now going, is she? Yeah, she is. Uh, no, I have very deep, close attachments in my life now and all kinds of good stuff. But I, 
still when I'm anxious or fearful, I do lean this way. I do lean towards avoidant and keeping my own counsel and not letting people in. Uh, when I'm sick or hurt, I, I don't want anybody near me. <laughs> I am not. I am like, leave me alone. Never talk to me. Um, or if I'm upset or scared or something bad happens, I often just just want to do it on my own. But but I push myself to then ask for help or ask people for things or share. So, uh, but we'll get to the, we'll get to my therapy later. Okay. So avoiding adults. Uh, they can look like type A personalities a lot, a lot of type A behavior, overscheduling, being a workaholic. Uh, they can seem indifferent or uh, unaffected in a relationship, even a crazy one, uh, because at their core, right, they keep their emotions somewhat closed off and they don't allow themselves to be truly vulnerable, intimate, or emotionally close. So that's why they don't get that upset. They'll definitely avoid true intimacy or bearing their soul. And in a romantic relationship, their partners, when I see them in the office, their partners are often frustrated that they can't seem to fully show up emotionally. Uh, when things get serious, avoidance will use humor or other things to deflect all that energy. And if all else fails, they'll physically avoid or neglect the people around them. So, and as I, I actually, what I said about myself, they avoidance tend to keep their own counsel and will hide out and make decisions on their own and then sort of bring you the finished product. They uh, definitely believe intellectually that being in a relationship and being close is important. But when that happens, they tend to pull away. Uh, they might say they feel trapped or suffocated, something like that. Um, and well, I think, you know, from saying all this, right, you can see how counterdependence fit this bill to a T, right? This, like this is sounds like a counterdependent, doesn't it? And so uh, and so do grandiose narcissists. When you think of so when you think of narcissists, uh you think of these kinds of things too. They're not really connected, they're not really there. Um someone who cares only about themselves and lacks empathy, that kind of thing. Um, and avoidantly attached people don't necessarily lack empathy. But again, narcissists often uh, fit in this this category more, uh, grandiose ones. All right. So hopefully that made that all clear before I go into the tips. Like I really want you to see that these are different things, that there's different levels um, and that they kind of overlap. So, but now you're going, great, Abby, now what? Sure. Now we were sort of clear, uh, but you know, you're probably, and you're probably sitting there or walking, whatever you're doing, realizing that you're either a little codependent or a little counterdependent, or maybe you're realizing you're a lot counterdependent or a lot codependent, whatever. The good news is that, and I really mean this, acknowledging and having those first steps of self-awareness are crucial to really working on your stuff. So you can, because I, I want you to create emotionally close and satisfying relationships. They're great. I, you know, I came from the dark side. I'm here on the light side. It's freaking fabulous. I want you over here with me. So, but I'm sure you're also realizing, I hope you got to take action that, you know, awareness is lovely, but if you don't do anything, it's not really going to take you anywhere. So, uh, my recommendations really are that you work on the base issue, which is getting you more securely attached. That's really what you got to do to deal with your codependency, your counterdependency, and even some of your narcissism, uh, but definitely those two. And so the very first thing is self-awareness. 
self-awareness. Let's sing the song. I, you know, I know, I know. You're sick and tired of me talking about self-awareness, but guess what? Too friggin' bad. You know, I love you. You won't be able to make any of these changes if you're not aware in your moments that you're acting in these old defeating behaviors. I can teach you all day long. You've got to work on this. Look at me. I'm shaking you right now. <laughs> so you can check out uh, my podcast on self-awareness, which I'll link to in the show notes, uh, how to you know become more mindful day to day. I've got lots of stuff on that. You can download my meditation starter kit. would really help with your self-awareness tremendously to start meditating. It's three minutes a day. Three minutes. Three minutes. Download my kit. It's free. Free meditation starter kit. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, you can also get it actually on the shop page on my website. And uh, it's, it's the shop page, but it's free. And you don't have to put in a credit card. You know I'm not a scammer. Why are you sitting there thinking that? Oh, she's going to make me pick this in. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You got to put in your email. You have to give me your email. But if you don't feel like getting my newsletter every week, and I don't know why you wouldn't, because it's fabulous. Um, just unsubscribe. Just get your goodie and unsubscribe. Okay. So uh, there you go. Self-awareness is my tip number one. Tip number two. <laughs> this is going to be hard for folks. Uh, or maybe it's just hard for me. Start identifying and saying what you need. I'm going to see pregnant pause. That was on purpose. It is time to learn how to say what you really need. It's time to identify what you really need. You don't even know half the time. You're not even aware of it. No passive aggressive bullshit, no walking away, no nothing. It's time to talk about real feelings, notice your discomfort in asking for help, and do it in a direct way. There it is. Booyah. Drop the mic. I'm not going to drop this. It's a very expensive mic. I'm not dropping it. Plus, it's hanging on a thing. But you get where I'm talking? One of the uh, ways that's easiest to do this that I've been um, talking about a lot and I do myself is in, because I just have not been good at this historically, is that you stop in a given moment and um, you just, if you notice yourself edgy, again, you got to be self-aware, got to be mindful to do this. But if you are, kind of notice that you're feeling impatient or notice that you're feeling rushed or overwhelmed or anxious or depressed or, you know, insert yucky emotion here. And when I notice that, I just, just stop for a minute, you know, I take a little breath and I, and I think, what would please me right now? What would I, what do I, because really what you're saying is what, what do I need right now? What would make me happy right now? What, what would please, <laughs> what I do in my head is I say, what would please the queen? Well, please the queen right now. And I do it that way because I have to laugh at it. Otherwise, I'm embarrassed to even ask myself. In my head, I'm being like some narcissist. I want this. I want this. I, I don't know why. It's so crazy that I go there, but that's where I go. And you shouldn't. It's really good to ask for what you want. It's really, you know, great to, to know what you need and want. But to really know and to what you really need, you've got to dig a little deeper. So you got to sit with it for a minute and identify it. So sometimes I'll just look around. What do I need? You know what? I need some water. No wonder I'm grumpy. I ha you know, I'm dehydrated. I really need a hug. I need to connect with someone. I need, you know, uh, sometimes I need a cookie. You know me, chocolate. I usually need something to eat. <laughs> I 
<laughs> That's almost always my answer. But do you hear where I'm going here? Are you picking up when I'm laying down? Just, I'm telling you, try this for a day. Just check in with yourself about your needs when, when you're feeling a little weird. And you'll notice it's almost always either a need for connection or a physical need that you really need to take a nap or you need to eat or you need to drink some water. There's usually something like that there. Yeah, maybe some sex. I don't know. That Sex is always a good thing, right? Okay, not in the office, I guess. All right, tip number three, notice your feelings. This is related, so your needs and your feelings, but I want you to notice what emotions you feel when you experience any kind of insecurity with other people. So any any fear-based emotion is really what I'm talking about. So, uh, and you have patterns, trust me. Do you get... Uh, anxious and clingy with your friends. Do your friends say that to you? You get kind of anxious and clingy and they stop calling you back. Do you get angry and resentful at your boss? Is that a theme? Are you jealous or distrustful with your partner? Is that a theme? And you know one of these is. You, I have lots of folks that do really well at home and they're very laid back and easygoing and at work they're losing their shit. They're, they're raging at the machine. And this is what happens to people. They, it's coming out somewhere. So really start to identify that. You've got a feeling pattern and it's important to identify it and then redirect yourself in those moments again. And then you can go back to number two and uh, what do I need right now? What do I need? I need something that this is happening. And you might start with, oh, I need my boss to listen to me. <laughs> well, what's under, okay, but why are you losing your you know what? So go a little deeper. You know, you have to take it down. And what that generally is, is that you're feeling misunderstood, which makes you feel fearful, which makes you feel scared. I might lose my job. Uh, I might uh, need to quit. I might whatever, and you start getting your, your little panties in a twist, and that's why you lash out or whatever you might be doing. And okay, I lied. There's a fourth tip. I just really let me do this quick before we end. I promise I'll end. Uh, you, you should get some therapy. You're you're gonna have to work if you if you're really codependent or counter counter dependent. You you're gonna have to work on seeing what you haven't seen before, and therapy is the best way to do that. Uh, or listen to every single podcast I have and do every single tip, y your choice. You're basically a fish who doesn't know it's wet and having a therapist give you feedback about what you're doing and your subconscious motivations is the first step in changing how you react in your relationships and in your world and everywhere. If you're, if you're anxiously attached, you likely need to work on self-esteem. I will say that. And I do have a podcast on that, uh, but you know, you need to do work. And for those of you who are more avoidantly attached, it's generally about learning to be vulnerable more and connecting to your, to the people around you with more empathy and compassion. So that's what happens. And there you have it. Those are my tips. Those are all the things I know about counterdependency. I hope you got a lot out of today's podcast. That is always, always my goal, that you come away feeling like you know yourself better, that you know the people around you better, and that you have a more happy and content life uh, with that knowledge and being able to take some action to, to change what's happening. Remember to download my meditation starter kit. Please, please start. Please, begging you, please start. And I love you. I love you. I adore you. I really adore you. You're amazing. You're fabulous. You're sitting here with me. You're working on yourself. You come back. You're, you're a fighter. You're a survivor. You are doing it. And it's really cool. Really, really cool to be here with you. 
All right. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.